0: Hello and welcome to the weekly worship podcast for Fuquay United Methodist Church. We think it's important not just that you listen today, but we would invite you to worship with us today. If you'd like to further engage your faith or the community around you and like to partner with us, please visit our website fvumc.org for more information. Also, we'd love to hang out with you on a Sunday morning, whether that's live, online, or in person. Online on Sunday mornings on our website Facebook page or YouTube channel. You can enjoy the venue with us, which is a worship service crafted for community online, or you can join our live in-person services online at 1010 for our contemporary, 1115 for our traditional. If you'd like to worship in person with us, we have worship at nine o'clock in 1010 for our contemporary worship services and 1115 for our traditional worship. At the end of the day, we believe that when and where you worship is not nearly as important as that you worship. And so we're so glad to be with you today, worshiping together. Well, hey, everybody. Good to be together with you today. Um, When my mom retired uh, six, seven years ago, uh, my uncle gave her a piece of advice, her brother. He said, uh, you should make make your bed at the start of every day. He said, because that way, even if you do nothing else for the rest of the day, you've at least accomplished one thing. And if anything else gets accomplished, well, that's just icing on the cake. I called her this week just to see if she was still doing it. She said she is all these years later and has recommended it to all these other people who've retired along the way. Um, And I asked her why. And she said, I've just discovered that how I start my day makes a difference. Uh, And I think that that couldn't be be truer. Uh, Recently, I think I am coming to recognize uh, that in my own life and how the rituals and the patterns and the routines of how I start my day um, maybe you're shaping and forming me in some ways that I, I don't normally pay attention to. I can remember back in 2020, um, I was coming home from the eye doctor with a prescription for readers in my late 30s, uh, after they had blown in my face and tapped on my corneas for whatever reason. Anyway, um, and I'm listening to a, a podcast. It's a guy interviewing a person named Andy Crouch. Andy Crouch, good dude, smart guy. Uh, he's a church person, like with an eye towards culture. He just always seems to have things to say that are important. I was, you know, listening to him and I recognized something was true in my life as I listened to his story. He talked about how he had just been living his life in this little tiny circle of his house for months. Uh, and I thought, I've been doing the same thing. I mean, every day, I wake up, I check my email, I pour some coffee, you know, this was in the height of Zoom land, so I put dress shirt on with my sweatpants, maybe a baseball cap, go sit in front of the computer for four hours on Zoom, eat lunch at my desk, sit in front of Zoom for another three hours, you know, yell at the kids for interrupting Zoom, fall face down in the bed during an aimless walk around the house for a few minutes, yell into my duvet cover, get up, two more hours of Zoom, call it quits, eat some dinner in front of the TV and go to sleep, and then wake up the next morning and do it again. Um, And he just recognized in his own life that like he had stopped going outside. And I thought, I haven't been outside in days. Uh, And so he decided that every morning before he checked his email, he'd pour himself some tea, go outside. Uh, He said, even if it was just a few minutes on his front porch. So I I started doing it. I started doing it. Uh, Just step outside. He said, To remember that we're a part of a big wide world that is operating without us and that what we're doing in our little niche here is connected to these larger things. And it was interesting how that small difference made such a big impact in how I engaged the world around me, how I engaged in my work, how I engaged with my family, how I felt about myself uh, and its kind of connectedness, all just driving home bleary eyed from the drops. Um, all the Zoom is probably why I needed the glasses. But leave it to, to say, uh, while things have returned to normal for me, uh, and while my mom continues to make her bed every morning, uh, I have I've left that practice behind. And, and I've returned to many of the practices, uh, the routines and habits that I shaped during that season of dysfunction. I, I am living in them now, even though everything else has returned to normal. And those practices that I shaped in a season of dysfunction, now continue to shape me in some ways. I feel like I can't get away from my work. I carry on this like low-grade worry or anxiety everywhere I go. Like the same way that I can remember feeling in 2020. I still feel those things today because I'm allowing those practices. How you start your day makes a difference. I'm allowing those practices to continue to shape and form me. I once shaped them. Now they shape me. Here's what I mean by that. We all have routines, right? Even people that aren't routine-oriented, myself included. um, We have practices, habits, routines, and and they're not benign, right? Whether they're good or bad, I will leave up to you, but they're not benign. They shape and form us. Uh, We've been reading from uh, Liturgy of the Ordinary, Tish Warren, uh, and here's a quote that kind of calls that to mind for me. She says, whoever we are, whatever we believe, wherever we live, and whatever our consumer preferences may be, we all spend our days doing things. We all spend our days doing things. We don't wake up daily and form a way of being in the world from scratch. We don't think our way through every action of our day. We move in patterns that have been set over time, day by day these habits and practices. They shape our loves, our desires and ultimately who we are and what we worship. So if these practices, right, good or bad, uh, if they're not benign, right, if they have power to do some shaping of us, our lives, our who we're worshiping, how we're operating in the world, like how do we how do we gain control of that? Like what does it look like for us to to, to do something about that, right? Uh the apostle Paul who was a pastor in the early church um I think he helped his people deal with this right uh in a section of a letter to the colossians uh, which is really a letter written to a group of churches in an area meant to be read in a bunch of different places and passed around um at the end of a section on salvation Uh, He says that, uh, you know, we're we're to take off our old self. If we're going to be people who live a resurrected life, we've got to take our our old self off with our habits and practices, and we've got to be clothed in Christ. We have to put our new self on. And he says at the end of that section, uh, he says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now. What I think we might read over as a, a passing phrase right a euphemism or uh, you know hyperbole I do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus give thanks to God for all things um what we might read that way is actually for him a very real admonition he's leaning there on the practices and habits that existed for Jewish people at his time and had many of them for two thousands of years before him uh, but certainly in the rabbinic tradition that he f- finds himself. Um, there would have been uh, regular prayers that punctuated different parts of the day. Jesus himself, every morning when he rose, he would have prayed the words of the Shema uh, from chapter 6, verse 4 of Deuteronomy. I hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. So rooted in those words were, were Je- was Jesus that uh, when someone asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Those the words to which he returned. Every morning when he rose, and he would pray those words again every night when he went to sleep. He would pass by those words every time he left his house. They would have been written on the door the door frame of his home. He would have seen them regularly. He would have grown up since childhood listening to his dad pray traditional Jewish prayers, which we now call the Adama. They weren't quite formalized in the same way at his time, but those same Jewish prayers sound eerily similar to the Lord's prayer that later he would give to his disciples and to us. Jesus and other Jewish people of his day and even today, their their lives are punctuated by these routine moments of prayer. And in between those, it was there was a, an insistence that any time we saw God at work, we would give God thanks for something. We would offer a blessing or a thanksgiving to God. So when he says, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God, this is what he's talking about. Baruch Atab, like blessed is he who... And then fill in the blank. Every time they ate a piece of fruit that smelled really fragrant. Every time they saw an old friend. Every time they had a snack in the afternoon when they were taking a break from the work. Every time it rained, they would say, blessed is he who has provided these gifts. Or blessed is he who is with me in this moment of pain. There would have been, for everything, there would have been a blessing. Kind of connecting the dots from those high moments of routine prayer all throughout the day. So when Paul says these things, he's not just talking about nothing or anything. Or just do everything, do it in the name of Jesus. This is what he means their lives were so saturated in prayer. Now, interestingly enough, at the time of Jesus, at the time of Paul, a couple decades even before they uh, were on the scene, uh rabbis had become concerned that people might be praying these prayers just out of rote routine, nothingness, right? Just saying the words and going through the motions. And so they began to insist that people prayed these words with uh with uh an inclination of the heart, with an intentionality and a directionality, like praying them Uh, visualizing yourself actually saying these words to God. And the Hebrew word that they used to to talk about that inclination of the heart is the word kavana, kavana. Uh, It's the the way we pray, it's the ethic with which we pray these these words. Hundreds of years later, rabbis would insist that we don't just pray with kavana, but that we read scripture with it, that we engage in our work with it, that we do good things with it. Uh, that it shapes and forms who we are. We hear Jesus kind of lean on this anxiety. This, uh, No, I guess Jesus wasn't leaning on anxiety. But we, we hear him kind of bring Kavana up when he's talking about uh, how the religious leaders of his day are praying. He said they're using big words, loud words. They're doing it to be seen and to be heard. When you pray, don't pray like that. You pray with an inclination of the heart, with Kavana. And then he gives the words of the Lord's Prayer to his disciples. He said this is how we are to pray. Uh, with this intentionality. If our routines are not ordinary uh, or ordinary life, like if it, if they make a difference, like if they're shaping and forming who we are, what would it look like for us to shape and form our everyday ordinary lives with this sort of intentionality with some, with some Kavanaugh, like what kind of a difference would that make um, in our lives? Uh, a number of years ago, uh, I was leading worship, and a colleague of mine leading with me uh, got up to kind of close worship out after the sermon, and she was leading the Apostles' Creed. Now, before I go any further, uh, one, this was not hope, so you don't need to ask her about it, uh, and two, nobody was harmed in the telling of this story. She's fine. Everything's great. Uh, but she got a little woozy during the Apostles' Creed. You know the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker, creator of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ His only Son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin. Um, In the midst of this, I noticed that her knees kind of begin to shake and she kind of started going you know, a little bit in circles. And to be fair, it was hot in the room. It was a winter. Heat was on. Lights were on. We were in big wool robes. Uh, She also said that I had talked about medical things in my sermon, which sometimes makes her feel woozy. Well, whatever the purpose of like. she started getting woozy in the Apostles' Creed. And Norma from the choir sees this happening, kind of rushes out to, to brace her as she begins to lean backwards. And someone shouts out, you know, is there a doctor in the house? And Mike Artman, who's a pediatrician in Holly Springs, like he sort of jogs down the center aisle and comes uh, to her aid. And I dash over, seeing Norma and Mike coming, converging, and kind of help catch her and lower her to the ground. And as we're lowering her to the ground, she just starts shouting out, I can't see my eyes, my eyes, I can't see. While all of this is happening, the congregation did not miss a beat. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Now, a couple of things are possible right? One is they thought she was on her way out. Uh, this woman is dying. And so we're just going to, we're going to pray her out. We believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Like let's let these words be the last words here. That's possible. It's also possible that they were praying these words with such intentionality. They were so focused on the directionality of these words. They had so much Kavanaugh in that moment uh, that they didn't even hear someone call out for a doctor or hear Mike uh, jog past them down the central. Also possible. Also possible uh, is that these words are so rote and routine that like we were kind of in them and we don't know how to get out. Like we're in that rut, we're just gonna keep praying because if we stop, we don't know if we'll be able to start again. We just gotta pray our way all the way through it. Uh, and then when we get to the end, we can worry about whatever we need to worry about. All of those are possible. Let's just assume for the second that it's uh, one of the first two, right? But on the off chance uh, that it's the third, you know, I wonder like if sometimes our lives don't look a little bit like that. Like, some really significant things are happening around us, but in order to protect ourselves from the chaos and the crazy of life, that we don't just like to lock ourselves into the comfort of our ordinary routines and habits. Even if they're not good for us, they, they make us feel like we're in control, right? It's a, a boxed-in reality for us. It, it, it provides a sense of control around us. But but if we go through those routines without some covenant, off, we don't let God in. We've been saying... A boxed-out God cannot transform a boxed-in life. Like, if we don't allow God to transform our everyday, ordinary, walking-around, regularly-scheduled life, then maybe we miss the big opportunity moments that are happening around us where we need to to move into action. So what would it look like for us to to not box God out of our routines and patterns and habits? What would it look like for us to invite God into those? To live life with a little bit of kavanah, right? If we did, uh, if we did, I think that we would see some things happen pretty quickly. Uh, The first thing that we would see happen is that I think Kavanaugh has the potential to catch our attention and transform our way in the world. You see, I, I believe that God's already always active in our lives. If we pay attention, we recognize that. Uh, then we can engage the, in the thing that God is doing in our life. And, and my guess is, if I ask most people uh, who are followers of Jesus, hey, do you think that God is active and alive in the world? Folks would say, oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And my guess is, if I ask the follow-up question, well, what's God doing in, in your life? They would say, oh, no, 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 no. no. I mean, God's at work, uh, at work in the world, but God's not act- active in my world, right? We have a belief a theological belief, an assent, a rational ascent to an idea, but we're not actually living with the expectation that God is at work in our everyday, ordinary walking around life. What would it look like for us to, to expect God to be at work? Uh, another pastor said it this way, that uh, when we're paying attention, when we're engaging in our world like this, in our lives purposely, that Kavanaugh describes the place where my disciplined action meets God's active presence in my life. I love that. Think about all the ways in which we could bring our, all the things we've been talking about these other weeks, like our our jobs, our families, uh, our lives, our friends. Like we could bring all those things to bear, our gifts and our skills to meet the needs that are right there in front of us, where our passion meets opportunities that God is making possible in front of us. If we live a life with kavanah, with intentionality, offering it to God, being thankful to God in everything, offering it to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, then I think that our, our lives, uh, it might transform our, our way in the world. Our lives may look different because because of it. The second thing um, is, well, before I go to the second thing, also core one that we're going to be doing on Wednesday nights, talking about everyday discipleship, the tool that we're hoping to offer people is a chance to do just this, like how to pay attention to the work of God in your world. So if that's something that sounded interesting to you or you thought, ah, oh, I wonder how to do that, well, we'd love to help you figure that out and you can come and join us on, on Wednesday nights. Um, the second thing is this. I think that Kavanaugh, like if we really have some intentionality in our rhythms and routines in life, it has the power to turn our mundane motions, just going through the motions. It has the power to turn our mo- mundane motions into meaningful moments. I want you to think for a second, like what's the boringest thing you never want to do in your life? Just come up with a list real quick in your head. Um, For me, it's carpool, folding laundry, taking out the recycling, paying bills, and putting kids' shoes back in the shoe bin. Like, those is my top five list, uh, just as I sat and brainstormed the answer to that question. Now, take one or two of those and just ask, like, the question about that thing. Like, what's beneath it? Like, some things that we do in our lives, we just have to do them, like putting a cover sheet on your TPS report. Like, it may not have a lot of meaning, but like, what's beneath the surface of most of these things that we just do in our everyday, ordinary life? Who are they serving? How are they adding value to the lives of other people? How are they serving other people or serving the greater good uh, in the world? Uh, How is it in service to the kingdom of God? Or is there a scripture that makes that thing make sense? Uh, Just to take a few of mine, like carpool. Uh, Again, it's like a terrible intrusion in my day when I have to do it. Uh, And yet, it's a really beautiful moment of hospitality as I can receive my, my kids, my friend's kids into the car. I ask them how their day is. I can begin to help them process what they've experienced in the world around them. I can shape and form their hearts in that moment, even as they're yelling at me for a snack from the back seat. I've also noticed that when I do it and I'm frustrated by it, I tend to try and text and drive, which is obviously no bueno. Um, but I, I found that I could also use that moment to, to listen to a podcast or to have just a moment of quiet. In my otherwise fully interrupted day, like that can be a reset moment, right? A chance to, to commune with God, even while driving the car, a moment of shalom in the midst of chaos. So that moment, like when I stop to really ask what is at stake in carpooling, I see that a lot of great meaning can exist, you know, beneath the surface of that. How can we shape our routines and habits and rhythms so that they better shape our hearts? to love God and to love others. Let me ask that question again. How can we shape our routines and habits and rhythms in our life so that they can better shape our hearts to love and serve God and others? That's a question I want to leave with us today um, because our habits and routines, they're not benign. They're not benign. Uh, they're meaningful. They shape and form us. So we, I think, have to ask the question about what it looks like for us with a little bit of kavanah to shape and form, uh, shape and form them. As you wrestle with those questions, I want to offer uh, just a word of blessing. And again, uh, this word of blessing comes from uh, the uh, liturgy called Every Moment Holy. It's a series of prayers, of liturgies. We turn to it often. We just uh, prayed one a couple weeks ago. Um, And I just want to read a small portion uh, of this prayer. There are two liturgies for changing diapers. Two in this book for changing diapers. Here's just a part of one of them, but I think they're fitting for much of the work that we find ourselves doing. So, O Lord, take this unremarkable act of necessity, this unremarkable act of necessary service, O Christ, and in your economy let it be multiplied into that greater outworking of worship and of faith, a true investment in the incremental advance of your kingdom across generations. Open my eyes that I may see this act for what it is from this fixed vantage point of eternity, O Lord. How the changing of a diaper might sit upstream from the changing of a heart, and how the changing of a heart might sit upstream of the changing of the world. May God add God's blessing to the everyday, ordinary, regularly scheduledness of your life. And in so doing, with all of the kavanah that you can bring to those moments, may you find great meaning in the work that God has placed before you this day. Amen. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith with the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org, to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, and while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community here in the greater Fuquay area. Um, F-V-U-M-C dot slash give would help you uh, join with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Few Verini Nine Methodist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing again soon.